Hello, Dave. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Good, good. Bit of a massive change in the weather today over here. It's like yesterday. Oh yeah, it's fucking opposite, isn't it? It's because yeah. we're in different different spheres of the of the world. Look, you're in the that's computer it, and I'm here. And yeah. yesterday I was here and you were in the computer. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's nice today. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but today, <laughs> yeah, because it was like 20 degrees, sun was shining, went out on the motorbike. Today is fucking freezing. It it's like hasn't got over eight degrees. Yeah. And it's been miserable all day, you know. Yeah. No, it's been all right. It's, it tried to rain earlier, but the sun's out and uh yeah, it's pretty, pretty nice. Pretty nice. Then a bit of get a bit of sun on my face and I trim my beard. Yeah. A bit of a tan. Okay. Hold on, I've lost you. You lost oh, no, me. There you are. No, I got you. No, it's, it was me. Oh, I cut my head off. So, news of the day. Prince Harry's got a new job. Right. So and he is or? actually uh, his position is chief impact officer at men- mental health facility in California. Oh. So, and within those circles. That industry, actually, the 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 nickname for the job, for the title of the job, is called a chimpo. And chimpo in Japanese is slang for penis. So he's not really moving far out of his comfort zone, is he? <laughs> so when did when did he start that then? I don't know. That's what he saw it today. So, but he's a chimpo. He's a chimpo, <laughs> and all the Japanese are laughing at him now. <laughs> they found out about it, and uh, so he's a, he's a penis in Japan. Oh dear! Oh dear! It's probably a penis <laughs> in England as well, but well, he is to the royal family. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I'm glad he's working. That's tidy, tidy. Good for him. Yeah, I don't know. Uh... <laughs> Pay for his own security, you know him. Eh? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's got any, has he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's all a bit mental and weird and crazy, isn't it? So, yeah. uh, I mean, if he was if he was anybody else, he'd have to pay for his own security. He would. I mean, when you think when we can go out of COVID, me and you are going to have to pay for our own security. Do you know what I mean? With our 110 members. I've been paying for my own security for years. That's it, <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there we are. Chimpo. But yeah. <laughs> oh damn, I got something stuck in my teeth. I want to be doing that. I got to be doing that. Talking about having something stuck in your teeth. Earlier on, the dog went out, and as you know, we're having AstroTurf. So we kind of like got a bit of an upside down garden at the moment. So she likes running around the garden with a bit of turf in her mouth, shaking it and growling, and as you do like. Mm-hmm. So I went to open the back door and she stood there with her mouth open, like, ah, with something in her mouth. So I said, you ain't coming in. So I shut the door on it. Ten minutes later, I went back out. She still like it. So I went outside to have a look and I couldn't see anything. So um, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to clean her teeth up and clean her face up and all because she was minging. Went to the kitchen and she had like a stick across the top of her jaw in between her two teeth. Oh, right, yeah. Finger right in her mouth and pull it out and a massive clump of mud which must have been stuck at the back of her throat was bloody in there as well 
is an absolute nightmare. So I had to clean her teeth up, create yeah, because she's got a obviously with her being a sprudel, she got a bit of a beard as well. So I had to yeah, clean yeah. all the crap out of her beard, all over her moustache. So uh, yeah, so I can't imagine it tasted very nice for her. Happy days. Um, I know, bloody nightmare. So I can't wait to get my astroturf. So uh, it'd be a lot better, much is cleaner. It, is it astroturf or is it just fake grass? It's fake grass. Okay. <laughs> so, unless we can't get all of any and then the stadium might be missing a bit <laughs> well, oh, well the track then it would be astroturf that's right yeah i guess is yeah. the track made of astroturf they got they got a pitch next door now anyway oh they yeah, yeah yeah they got a pitch so um, i used to play hockey on it so oh, right, okay. go down with a bread knife and uh take a bit i know mm. i need 10 by 4 meters i know how much i need Oh, so right. I don't mind. I'll have a penalty spot on it. I don't care. <laughs> Check is that where is that then? Is that on the back of the houses? Um, You've got a row so, of houses, haven't you? Yes, yeah, it's, it's right in the front of the stadium, actually. So they've um, I don't I can't think what used to be there. So you've still got the running track. Yeah. Um, which they don't use, I don't think, because the structure that overlooks it has got like I don't know what you call it, concrete cancer or something. So I don't think they can. You can't sit in there anymore. Oh, the stands. But use, yeah, but they do use the um, the football pitch inside, so they got like a four G football pitch inside the running track. Oh so, right, okay. Because um, I did watch, I watched Wales play their donkeys years ago. Um, but isn't the stadium then the facilities, changing rooms, and everything under the stand? Um, they're part of the same structure. Yeah. So you're not allowed to sit on the stand, but you're allowed to walk underneath it. Um, yeah, I think yeah, because you can walk, you can walk underneath it to get to the to the main building. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't make sense, does it? No, no. <laughs> I think I'm going to report it to health and safety. <laughs> well, that's what I've been told anyway. You know, you're not over, and that's you can't sit on there, but you can walk underneath yeah. it. Because it's been like it for years. Because they used to have like um, firework displays and stuff that you would yeah. pay and sit in the stand to watch it. But um, now it's been knocked on the head for donkeys years now. Oh, is it? Unfortunately, yeah. But uh, oh, so yeah. So um, you might as well just knock the thing down gone. then. Sorry, you might as well just knock it all down if you can't use it and build a new one. It's only the stand because it said that the the main stadium's fine. So they they're using all that because that's where we're all getting low COVID jabs. Yeah, but the stand, the tribune itself. Yeah. If you look at Cumbrand Stadium, this is the tribune, right? Yeah. As you're looking at it front on. This is the this is the pitch. This is the tribune where the, the stand is. Mm. And the, underneath there is the actual main building, isn't it? Uh, no, it's behind it. It's behind it, it is. It's behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's underneath it. No, it's behind it. You've got go, I know it goes out a little bit. It. Yeah, the, more, if I'm you sure look at the gym and everything, well, you still, I don't know if the gym is still there. The gym used to be on the corner. And yeah. Then you'd walk down the down the long corridor to the way in, if you like, not mm. the corridor, but the walkway to the way into the main building. Yeah. But it's all under built under the stand. I thought it was a bit further back, to be honest. I don't think maybe so. Maybe it is though. Yeah, maybe, maybe well, it's not going to be directly the stand, but a yeah. lot of the stand is going to be over the top of it. Yeah. Yeah, I just know they don't use it and they haven't been able to use it for a while. No. But they, I don't think they get many, with it being a 4G pitch now, you're not going to get proper football teams playing in now, you're like National League or anything. 4G. But they have, 
Well, yeah, uh, why don't they upgrade it to 5G then? I don't know. I, I think they're a bit worried about uh, what's they still on iPhone on one. <laughs> they must be afraid of COVID. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what's a 4G pitch. It's um, it's one up from a 3G, but it's got uh, it's longer and they got like little black rubber ball bearings in it. Okay. Which because I've played on a 4G pitch and you end up with them in your football boots. So I think it's all to do with like lubricating the surface and stuff. I'm not quite sure really, but uh, they're only so it's small. Not grass. No, no, it's a bit like astroturf. Oh right, okay. Oh, yeah, which, which I which I don't know whether you can use that in proper, like say proper league football. football. Yeah, league football. So like my my nephews have played on it and stuff because um, they played junior junior football I mean so they're all right on there but then they got a pile if you remember that the fields behind they still own all those fields or oh, right, yeah, yeah. Cumbrand football own all those fields so there's about craggy I don't know about five or six pitches over there and then there is one which is sectioned off with um barriers around it which I think Cumbrand town maybe still play on okay but I I don't know I don't know so, okay. uh, so yeah, so there's plenty of grass over there for me to uh, get my hands on anyway. <laughs> and there used to be cricket pitches behind there as well, actually. We so, just sent uh, me a man. Oh, have you? Yeah. I just sent. I've sent him the link. Okay. So yeah, we got Michael Armstrong coming on today, haven't we? He's a uh, singer-songwriter from London. Yeah. Uh, um, just looking to release his third album which obviously got postponed because of the dreaded COVID, like uh, like a lot of other songwriters out there. But it's coming out on the 25th of June. So uh, I think he's obviously utilised uh, COVID and lockdown to uh, to do some songwriting, by the sounds of it. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm. Just recently. We might have a different view today because uh, I've been messing around with the settings. Okay. And uh, now you're really side by side instead of sitting up on the top of me. So we'll see when uh, Michael comes in and he might be uh, squashed in somewhere. Okay. Because normally I have you all on the top, but now I've got you side by side. So I'm uh, curious to see how it comes out on the recording. So. Yeah, yeah, should, yeah. If we can get, us, get all of us on at the same time, that'd be good. Well, you're not going to get you all on your phone because you won't be able to see it. No, 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 that's okay. That's all right. You know, because you're... Yeah. Uh, your screen is too small, I guess. Mm. Unless you yeah. have one of them massive phones. Samsung. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, you've got an iPhone, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> You're always, like, tiny. The Samsungs <laughs> are massive, aren't they? They've gone sort of, like, back to where they were back in the 80s, haven't they? It's like a yeah, Dell yeah, one yeah. phone, isn't it? Well, I've got a J4 Plus, and it's fucking slow. Yeah? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, oh, right. But, yeah, Sarah, um, Sarah got a Samsung thing, and it's... it's massive what is it um she's got it's an a something because she oh. likes the a's rather than the s's a22 or a20 or something but is it it's a new one like, or? yeah it's like mm. three times the size of my iphone yeah yeah because sherry's got her um note 10 oh they're massive plus. as well aren't they? the notes is it a plus or just a note 10 mm. but yeah she, she loves it she does yeah. everything on it you know so I've been looking for one. I was thinking about buying one uh, refurbished or secondhand. That's it. Mine's just, uh, but uh, yeah, 
Oh, here we go. Hey guys, how you doing? Hello, Michael. Hi, how, how are you? you doing? All right. Good, thanks. Good, good. Sat in your little studio. Sat in my little studio where I spend most of my life. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> So welcome to Just Chosen Podcast. Your theory, that's David, is it? I'm pointing the things here. Uh, yeah, David's on with a beard. Uh, hello, mate. How you doing? Well, we've both got beard. beards. <laughs> both got beards. Yeah. <laughs> well, he cut this today, so yeah, I'm, I'm Terry. The one, I'm, I'm the, my I'm the one without I'm, one. There you go. I'm Terry, <laughs> okay. and uh, the one without his hand up is David. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, like I said, Michael, welcome to Just Chosen Podcast. Nice to have you. Nice to Thank meet you. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Yeah, good. So, you want to get into it, Dave? Yeah, if you want to, yeah. Should we should we go back right to the beginning, where it all started? So, mm. when, um, when you were read a, baby. A of, read a bit of a bio on you and said that you started music when you, uh, when you were 11, you started guitar? Yeah, I think... I think um... I, I, I loved music from a really early age, and I, and I think probably when I was about nine or something like that, I had they started doing guitar lessons at school, like classical guitar lessons. But when you're that age, your fingers are really tiny and the classical guitar in particular has got a really wide neck and and, and nylon strings, really you know, tough things. It's strange the way they do that with children. So it kind of put me off and, and, I, and I took up the drums instead. My parents were uh, perhaps foolish enough to buy me a drum kit and... Uh, but I became pretty good. I guess I guess I was probably about eleven or yeah, ten or eleven then when I started playing the drums, and I became pretty good at playing the drums. Um, but um, I wanted to write. I always wanted to write songs. That that was what music was about for me. I wanted to express myself through songs, and you can't really write songs on the drums. They all sound a bit similar. There's no melody. It's just rhythm. Yeah. And so uh, my parents bought me an electric guitar, and that was much easier. By then, my fingers were a bit bigger, and I had some lessons. And bought some books, Beatles books mainly. They're the easy ones to learn from. And uh, you know, we've you know, the great thing about having a, like a book like a Beatles music book or something because you see, on the one hand, how simple it is to write songs. You look at it and you say, "Wow, there is just four chords there, you know, four or five chords, and they've made this incredible." You know, and you can you can write a song with that, whether you actually can or not. You don't become Lennon and McCartney overnight if you can write if you can play five chords. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's where the difference comes in. So I did. So I had some chords, and as soon as I could play a few chords, I started writing songs. They weren't very good ones. Uh, hopefully, I've got better over the years. And uh, yeah, but I, I never wanted to be like a virtuoso guitar player. I don't do don't really do too much of the twiddly stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm. Uh, More I just wanted to. I just wanted to accompany my voice really and. And, and so that's all I ever learned, guitar-wise. And uh, then I taught myself to play the piano as in a kind of the, the way I play the piano, which I'm sure any teacher would look down on. But I taught myself to play the piano during rugby lessons at school. Yeah, yeah. And that was because uh, I'm a terrible sport. I, I love watching sports. I love watching football and rugby and all that. But I, I don't, I don't like being wet, cold, and muddy. And I certainly don't like big angry people running at me wanting to hurt me yeah. you know, you're I a just, Chelsea I, fan are you yeah well my my, so my 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 teachers at school were pleasant enough or, or no, no, no let's, let's, they were realistic they realized I was a terrible it was a like big rugby school and they realized that I was 
had no talent whatsoever when it came to that. So they said, as long as I didn't go home, I could spend my like hours lesson in the music room. And so I taught myself yeah. to play the piano in there, listening to, uh, again, Beatles songs and Billy Joel songs and, and stuff like that. So that's the kind of musical background. And yes, I am a Chelsea fan. And uh, uh, it's going David, pretty well at the moment. Yeah, David's <laughs> yeah, Arsenal right, playing tonight, right. so. Yeah. Yeah, they are doing all right. You're, you're lucky you were in England then because um, I, I, I was obviously brought up in Wales and I was useless at rugby, but I still had to play. So <laughs> it didn't matter how bad, how good you were, you still had to play rugby. Yeah. So, uh, I just... I, I think my school was a bit like that as well, but I was that bad. That... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what were your main uh, musical influences then? There was like the Beatles and... Yeah, I think, I mean, the Beatles were long split up by the time I was even born, let alone yeah. got into music. But my dad, my parents had an interesting record collection, a lot of um, a lot of 70s kind of stuff my dad was really into led zeppelin i i never you know i, I like led zeppelin but i never really got into him as heavy as as, as he was but uh you know bands like steely dan and elo and super yeah. tramp and the eagles and fleetwood mac those kind of great 70s band a lot of that west coast kind of vibe you know um that's the that's the that's the music that i grew up on i guess and that i still listen to now and i think that my music reflects that because i write music that i want to listen to and, and they're, they're the bands that i like to listen to i think being a child of the 80s um michael jackson was was the be all and end all and thriller came obviously thriller came out and and, and then the, the following albums and i saw michael jackson at wembley a couple of times yeah, and so he was you know i just he was an amazing talent and there's some really embarrassing home videos of me trying to dance like him. And, and <laughs> I may be, I may be a musician, but I am not a dancer at all. And uh, <laughs> I hope they never see the light of day. <laughs> yeah. Well, David kept his teeth on Michael Jackson as well. So. Yeah. Was a yeah. Massive, yeah. Massive Michael Jackson fan. Massive. He, he was, I remember the first time I've seen him, um, it was just before he released the Thriller album. So I didn't really know him in the Jacksons, but he, he came on a, on a kid's TV program. Um, I don't know what it was, it, you know, like it could have been anything. It wasn't Blue Peter, but it was something like that. It wasn't Jim will fix it, was it? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> but I, but I, um, I remember watching him and he was all done up in all his thriller gear and stuff. And I, I just thought, oh man, this guy is awesome. And I was kind of like hooked then from that point. So, um, and then I went music you know, taste develop, but, you know, I'm into quite heavy metal-y sort of stuff now, but I still listen to Michael Jackson as well. You, I think when you grow up in music, irrespective of what you're sort of like into now, you still listen to the stuff you've you've listened to all along, haven't you, really? So, um, yeah, incredible. I would have loved to go and see him live. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I think so. My kids listen to Michael Jackson now as well you know it's on there i mean my kids are two of them are adults now but they, they listen to you know they've got it on their iPlayers or in their cars or with iphones or whatever it's just great music you know it's and and, and and all that kind of thing i actually got i managed to i managed to get tickets i did manage to get tickets for the farewell the 50 oh, shows oh, right, yeah, yeah. Doing at the o2 and i sat on the phone i think maybe for six or seven hours on the on the computer phone and computer wherever i was trying to get and i was trying to get five tickets me, my wife, myself, and my three boys, who I guess were like really little then. 
Um, but they, they still knew who he was. And I just thought, I've got to get the chance to go and see Michael Jackson. And eventually, I, the thing pinged and I got these tickets. And I was I was really emotional, actually. It, I was, it was like such a big deal. You know, I'm going to get kids to go and see Michael Jackson in this big shows. And, and then he died, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which was, Did you get your money uh, back? You know, well, I did. I, I got. I, I can't. I think I did, but not all of it because I got. You get a choice, basically. They gave us the choice where, obviously, you could get your money back. That goes yeah. without saying, but you could also opt to not get the money back, and they would send you your tickets and a program. Okay. Right? okay. So I opted to get two tickets, money's worth back, which was a couple of hundred quid, probably. I can't remember how much they were. And I got sent three tickets and three programs, which I keep saying to myself, I must put in a front because they were really good seats. So it was like fifth row or something as well. It was amazing okay. seats at the O2. And so I, I, the idea was I was going to put them in a frame, you know, and do all that. And yeah, I haven't. I'm in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One day I will, I promise. Just like I'll put that picture up, love. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Did, he, uh, did he autograph them for you before he died? <laughs> no, he didn't. No, it was a bit of a shy. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he had. They'd be worth a fortune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, would. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I remember when um when he did gig in Wembley, and um somebody they were they came on the news because he throws a hat didn't he into the crowd. Yeah. And um the guy the guy that caught the hat he was on like well news at six eight ten. He was just on that news all night, showing off his blinking at of Michael Jackson because he ill <laughs> inside of him, didn't he? So uh, yeah, they definitely be worth some money. They would. Absolutely, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that was a, it was a, yeah, an incredible artist, and uh, unfortunately, yeah. his reputation has been a little tarnished in recent years. But I guess we'll never get to the we'll never get to the bottom of that, will we? I don't think we ever can. No, 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 no. no. no that's I it. Think to be honest, I've sort of ignored all that and I just listen to his music and take it, you know, take it for what it is. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you can't take the music away from the man, you know. Yeah, I mean, no matter what's what underlying stories there are, I mean, nothing's really been proven. And uh, all right, he may, he may have paid a few people off, but I mean, that's just circumstance, isn't it? You're so famous, yeah, people are going to come after you for anything they can. Yeah, you know? that's it. And uh, yeah, it's easier just to pay him off than than go through the whole legal, uh, the whole legal system, with the chance of your name being tarnished. You know, try yeah. and try and bury it, and then but it's going to get tarnished anyway. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's a cruel world. It is. It's, yeah, that's what happened, wasn't it? Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Oh, Roll, Michael. So, so if we go if we go back to yourself, then the other Michael. So um, at fifteen. You uh, you appeared on Pebble Mill at one. Yeah, I, well, I didn't quite appear on it. This is a, this was a this was a story that I'd I'd forgotten this incident in my life ever happened. Um, but 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 uh, and something reminded me of it, which I'll come to. But basically, what had happened, and I was yeah fifteen. I'm at school, high school, and my music teacher told me that there was this uh, songwriting competition. I think it was for a Christmas song. I'm pretty sure it was on Pebble Mill at One, which, for those who don't know, um, it was kind of the forerunner of daytime TV, I think, really, wasn't it? It was like yeah, yeah. this morning of today, I guess. Um, and so I, I, I don't know if I had a song or I wrote a song or whatever, but I sent it off and I did a re basic recording of it and forgot about it. 
And my teacher then told me that I'd come second in the competition. I thought, oh, that's fantastic. What does that mean? And he said, well, it doesn't mean anything, really. It means that on, when they announce it, your name comes up in ticker tape, you know, along the bottom of the screen, second place for your age group. Oh, OK, well, that's worth watching to see my name on TV. That's cool. And um, turned out this guy from Manchester won. Um, didn't mean anything. Didn't know anything of him. That was that. About 10 years ago, um, I went on a holiday with my family and I did the usual thing. Went to WH Smith on, on the, in the airport and bought myself a book. I bought the Gary Barlow's autobiography. And I'm sitting on my sun lounger 10 days later with a beer in hand. And lo and behold, in about chapter five, Gary Barlow talks about his first big break coming when he wins the Christmas songwriting competition on Pebble Mill at one. And I'm like... I nearly fell off my sunbed and spat my beer out. I thought, what? And it all, and I hadn't thought about it since, you know, for 30 years. And it all came back to me. And I thought, this that happened. This really happened. And so I I looked up, checked the dates, and sure enough, he was the guy from Manchester that beat me. Yeah. So uh, he, he did quite well for himself as well in the end. Yeah, he did, yeah. But 30 years ago, that's when uh, coming second meant you were a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Not like today where everybody gets a medal. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I was very much. Yeah, it was there was no, nothing for second place. No, no. There was no, there was yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> that's mad, isn't it? But yeah. Do you, that's, do that's you remember the song? Do you remember the song you wrote? I, I can't. Not at the top of my not at the top of my head. If I really thought about it, I might be able to remember something about it. I got the odd bit. I don't think. I'm pretty sure it wasn't very good. Um, well, it came second. It came second. Yeah. Well, it came second. Came second. Gary Barlow, the other three. Yeah. Uh, the other three that ended. So. Yeah, it's only me and Gary. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! So, so you started, um, started your band then when you were eighteen. Yeah, I had various bands. I think at school, trying to do and, and playing like the school dances and things like that, which were funny occasions because we'd rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and get a set together for the for the school dance. And uh, looking back on it now, I, I must I. I don't know. And I, I, the song choices were just so selfish and not for a for a dance. Do you know what I mean? I'd be playing things like "Another Brick in the Wall" by Pink Floyd or "Us and Them" by Pink Floyd. You, know, you can't have a school dance. That I really got into Pink Floyd about that age, you know. And uh, I don't know Kaylee by Marillion. I remember doing a version of "An Evil Woman," but you know, these are not your YMCA's and your and your and your you know whatever you should play at a school dance. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I'm not quite sure how we got away with that, but that was that was that kind of band. Yeah, and then I got a serious band to go. I wanted to do, I wanted to get out and, and play my own music. That was that was the key thing. And so I, my brother was started playing bass, and he was I'd always sung with my brother in like my parents' car and stuff. So he was he, we 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 kind of worked well together. And so we did it the old-fashioned way. We put an ad in Melody Maker, I think it was, and for a guitar player, a, guitar, a lead guitarist. And had various um, odd bods come round the house of varying levels, and no one seemed quite right. And then this one guy turned up, big tall guy, shaved head, beard, and um, he sat down and got his guitar out, and he was absolutely bloody amazing. I mean, I'd, I'd never been in the presence of a guitar player that good before and I thought well there's no no way in the world he's going to want to join my shitty band sort of thing and uh, 
we played some songs. He went away and we called him up and said, you know, we'd love you to join the band. I think I'm waiting for him. And he said, oh, I absolutely loved your stuff. Yeah, I can't. I'm so glad you asked me. I wasn't sure I played well enough to fit, get in the band. If it's like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? You know what I mean, your dog could have played and I'd have let him in, you know. And uh, and and that guy was Matt Fryer. And uh, Matt's been on. He now he's played for Bonnie Tyler for the last 20 years. He's he's her, he's her lead, lively guitar player. And uh, I know Bonnie. And uh, it was I actually got back together with Matt, the guitar player who played on my first album, having myself met Bonnie and done some work with Bonnie. So oh, it was right, a weird okay. circular thing. And yeah. and um, Matt, when he joined the band, we, we had went through various drummers and then he got a guy he knew called Alex Toff. Again, fantastic drummer. And to round the circle off, Alex is now also Bonnie Tyler's drummer. So oh. <laughs> we've yeah. all come full circle, which is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, isn't it? That's cool. So what was the name of the band? Various various different names. Um, eventually we settled on... When, when, I took, well, first of all, I remember we called it... And the first name was Security Camel, which is, which is just the most bizarre name ever. And that was because I was rehearsing with the band and uh, we had a gig the next night and we didn't have a name. Oh. I was like, can anyone think of a name? we got to call ourselves something. You know what I mean? we got to start promoting ourselves and the uh rehearsal room that we were working in had a padlock on the door and it said security camel it was obviously camel security yeah, but yeah. we just uh, put it the wrong yeah. way around so we go we'll be security camel for tomorrow uh so stupid name i think that we, we then became friday street which is the name of one of my songs and eventually settled on josie um which is the name of a obviously a girl's name or whatever but it's also the name of a steely dan song and we were all big steely dan fans and uh on the asia album deacon blue is one of the songs and deacon blue had already taken that one so we thought we'd go we'd go with josie and we, we did well as a band we ended up playing at the shepherd's bush empire a few times as a support act and did you know, like a mini tour with the counterfeit stones okay. these guys who pretend to be the rolling stones who were who were a great great laugh uh, those the counterfeit stones they were they were like um like lawyers and uh barristers and and investment bankers and things like that that's what they did for a living yeah. but they became so successful as counterfeit stones they actually all gave up their jobs i mean they were earning serious dollars you know what i mean but they gave up their jobs and what was funny about them is that they were really quite posh and you'd see them outside and they're oh, nice to meet you and all that kind of thing. We'd go backstage and they'd spark up, they'd all start smoking a joint and, all that, and they'd really become the stones. They'd be drinking, they'd be women backstage. Brilliant. It was like they really actually became the stones, you know what I mean, before they went on stage. It was, it was a <laughs> wonderful transformation and a great, great fun to be around when you're 18, 19 years old. So, yeah, we did quite well, but um, we did some... We did. We did. We were, did started recording some stuff at Marillion Studio in Hertfordshire. Um, in fact, Steve Rovery, who's the guitarist for Marillion and who co-wrote Kaylee, I remember going to his house because the guitar player knew him from somewhere or the other. And we went to his house and did some basic recording, and then he let us use Marillion Studio, which was fantastic with their engineer. And we laid down some tracks, but uh, the kind of the I don't know what happened really. The whole thing just fizzled out before before we could even ever finish that. Um, and we didn't really fall out, but um, 
you know, real life gets in the way. I guess we were getting to that age, and by then we're like 21. So I guess girlfriends and wives and children and mortgages were coming into play. You know. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? That's yeah. it. So did you did you carry on, you know, singing or touring on your own then, without the band, or did you did you look at doing something different with another band? No, I was I was concentrating on songwriting and recording at home. I was still living with my parents. And I and I had like an, an eight track recording machine or something that, that they bought for me. And for about six months, I just was a bit of a hippie sitting at home recording. And my dad eventually said to me, right, you need to get off your button and, and do some work. You know, they were really encouraging my parents about about my music. But as any good father or parent should do, you need to steer your child perhaps into a more realistic situation and my dad ran a building company in london and he said well you can come and work for me and i'm not again i'm not i told you before i don't like getting dirty or being cold so i was never going to be out on the site so um he took me to the office and kind of taught me to do the accounts and price jobs and kind of the management so i took on that role and i and i did that for about 15 years we ran a really really successful building company we did really well and um at the same time i was still writing songs and recording and getting better playing playing the odd gig still doing that kind of thing doing a lot of covers gigs and things like that but still doing my stuff and hawking my stuff around and but not really getting anywhere and i kind of figured my <laughs> chance had gone and you know it was i say we had a really successful company and you know it, it was i had a mortgage three children and a wife so that became real life for me yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then just a series of events over about the course of a year changed things and 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 that was firstly i met a lady called lisa davies who had worked in the music business since she was like 16 and um she's a promo girl she was head of epic she actually promoted michael jackson's thriller going going back again for yeah. for, for, for epic uh, not a hard job, let's be honest. But, uh, she's got she's got a nice gold disc for it. Yeah. Uh, she worked with people like ABBA and all of Shaking Stevens hits she did. So she she was, she was really well known in the music business. She set up her own company and a mutual friend introduced me to her. And I gave her a CD of some stuff. And a few months passed and her husband bothered to listen to it. I think they, they were away. They got a place in Portugal and they were over there. And her husband, they, take, they took some CDs with them and one happened to be mine. And they absolutely loved it. So that was the first thing. And so they were making encouraging noises to me. Uh, on my work front, we were going through, this was, oh, I don't know, but this is what, 10 years ago. So we were just coming out of the kind of global recession. Yeah. You know, and so the work was kind of drying up. And then my dad, who I was working with, had a, a serious heart attack. And he, he's still with us. He's fine now. But he didn't want to carry on the building business. Um. It was a stressful life, you know, yeah, and yeah. Enough, enough. When your body gives you a warning like that, you gotta, you gotta take a, take a listen. And I just didn't want to, I didn't want to carry it on by myself because I'd never really wanted to do it, you know. It was my dad saying, "Get a real job," you know. My heart was never in it, and so I was, kind of had the opportunity. It's crazy, really. Um, to I was given the opportunity to record an album through Lisa Davies and. In order to do that, I would have had to give up work. And I figured I could record it. I had enough savings to be able to give up work and and um, 
build a little studio, which is what I'm sitting in here, yeah. and record an album. And so I said to my wife, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to close this really, really successful business that's paid for our house and is paying for our children and all that. And I and I want to be a rock star. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm I'm like 38 years old by now. And uh, she said, okay. Well, wow. Brilliant. Right. I should have asked for more. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and so I so I did. I I I I built this studio. I took a year off, and twelve months later, I'd run out of money, and I was only about halfway through the album. And oh. I thought, oh shit. Um, and so uh, Lisa Davies, I'd, I'd been working on and off with her, helping out other artists, and she she helped me out. She said, well come and work with my company for a few days a week. And that way you can still record the album. Eventually I got it made and, uh, and ended up uh, working in the promo business as well with Lisa. So yeah, I got to meet lots of really fantastic people and, and, and start myself on a music career, which I'd put on hold for 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy working in promo, Mike. Yeah, I do. It's, it's, it can be frustrating because of, well, because of particularly because of radio stations nowadays, yeah. and I'm talking national stations, that the kind of artists we promote should be on like Radio Two, which is still, you know, Europe's biggest station. But um, their playlists are so uh, limited now. Okay. You know, you know the, the DJs don't get to choose what they play anymore. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, so that so that you lose the character. Yeah, you get those kind of 60s, 70s DJs who who became kind of celebrities themselves. You know, you, you listened to those DJs because of the music they played and because you knew they'd bring you something yeah. decent, something that you liked. Whereas now these guys are just being told what to play. It's from a playlist, and the playlist they're adding four or five songs a week. And aiming for a much younger audience unfortunately so someone like radio 2 who should be looking at heritage acts so they're they're, they're going to more towards radio 1 in fact you can difficult to tell the difference these days so i find that frustrating because there's a lot of great music out there that i promote that deserves to be heard and doesn't get heard yeah you know, and we do tv promo as well and you know that's just so celebrity based that okay, um yeah. I find it very, very frustrating, and I, I, it, it worries me and it scares me because I think there's so many bands. Yeah, you know, if those bands around in the seventies come out today, we wouldn't hear them. So we're mm -hmm. we're all missing out on so much music, you know. Yeah, yeah, they all fall under the radar, don't they? Yeah, you just can't survive, and even the ones that are semi-successful, you know, the the, uh, the 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 revenue from streaming and downloads is just woeful you know yeah, yeah. i think i the, my last statement i had was just after just after christmas january february and i'd had something like forty-two thousand listens or plays or something or the other and i ended up with 62 pound okay. i mean you know it's yeah, just yeah. <laughs> what have you got to do do you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah it's do? really sad like, yeah stream i think streaming is really kill the industry as we used to know it you know mm. yeah well they equate it i saw in the in in the breakdown i got that a hundred streams they equate to one play okay yeah because they're assuming that it's the same person streaming it okay you know I mean? so you 
Whereas in the old days, you had to, I had to go down to Woolworths and pay £10 to buy an album. Yeah. And I had right. an album. Now, I well, I don't know. Now, you'd have to do 100,000 streams to get one album or something. I don't know. It's just, yeah, like, it's crazy. But it's, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough. So you've got to do it for the love of it, that's for sure, not for anything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. So you met Lisa Davis, and uh, she sort of like helped you out by giving you a job then. Yeah. And then yeah. 2015 yeah, was it? You released your debut album. Yeah, 2015, the debut album was released um, after two years of toil and uh, working on it. I was, I'm. I'm really lucky with that. When I look back on it, I'm so lucky because I had some fantastic people play on it. I got uh, Albert Lee, the guitar player, yeah, who yeah. Eric Clapton described as probably the best guitar player of all time, which is pretty high praise coming from Eric. Yeah. Um, I, and uh, he played on a track for me. And one of the I said I've already said how much I love Steely Dan, and uh, I managed by again by complete fluke to get Elliot Randall, who played guitar for Steely Dan, famously played the solo on Reeling in the Years. Yeah, he played lead guitar on about five tracks for me on that album, um, and has become a great friend. And, and Keith Bessie co-produced it with me, and Keith did most of Ten CC's work and worked with Elton John, Cliff Richard, and uh, loads of people. So you know, for a debut album to pull off. Something like that was uh, quite something. Yeah, were you lucky to meet them people through Lisa then, or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, in a kind of way, we were doing some promo. Lisa and I, I say we, because we. I'd yeah, you're working together. Yeah. I've become half the company now, so. Okay. Um, we were we were working on a solo album for Albert Lee, um, or we had been previously, and then it was Albert Lee's. Albert Lee started to do some seventieth birthday shows. Um, that year or the year before, um, two two nights at Cadogan Hall, and it was basically showing on for about three hours, and there was all different stars: Chaz and Dave, and Bill Wyman, and the Shadows, um, Shaking Stevens, oh, all sorts of people were joining him. You know, it's like one yeah, of those big yeah. celebrations, and it was all being filmed for dvd and the guy who was filming it i'd met a couple of years ago and he called me and asked if i would stage manage the shows and i've never stage managed anything in my life but i thought well why not give it a go that sounds like great fun so i got to go to all the rehearsals and all that and uh it just so happened that elliot randall was one of the guests who was invited so i made myself known to him and uh, we got chatting and i just remember saying to elliot um would you mind if I sent you a song? Uh, love you to play on it. And he said, yeah, of course, man. He's an American guy. Yeah, send what you like. And that night I sent him this song. It was called The Cola Paranoia from the first album. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he called, yeah. Me up, called me up within about five minutes of receiving it and just said, man, I'd love to play on this song. Oh, and okay. uh, ended up playing on three or four other songs and on a track on the second album and has just become, become a good friend of mine. Um, he texts me every now and then and I still get, like goosebumps when it looked down, and it says Elliot, Eric, you know, Elliot Randall, Steely Dan on my phone. I think, yeah, man, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he yeah. sends me a happy birthday message or something. Yeah, Elliot Randall, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we picked up on that song, um, David and myself, because I, I quite like the song, so uh, David also. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I couldn't remember what it was called. It was like Coca Cola. What was it now? Coca Cola. <laughs> 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 but yeah, man, that's a great song. It's uh, 
there's a few uh, I can hear a different few different influences in it. I think also, but the yeah, and there's one on, the verses yeah. I I just can't remember the song. I, my 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 memory is getting really bad. But the I listened to the verses and I was thinking I know that song. I definitely know that song. But <laughs> trying to remember what it was, it's like it's just totally slipping. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's a good song. I I liked it. So. Uh, so what was it like working with Albert? Did he did he did he work with you, or was it like? I haven't oh, spoken. Sorry. Um, yeah, I I, I I can feel some Roger Waters in there, and uh, definitely some Steely Dan, and other people have said other things to me. But yeah, it's a cool song. I'm proud of that one. Yeah. Would would was you working directly with Albert, or was it uh, over digital? Say that again. Sorry. When you work with Albert, was did he record in the studio with you, or was it uh, digitally done? No, it was in the studio. Yeah. It was in the studio with Albert, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he was actually, when did I do that? He was actually, he was recording a, like an acoustic, a new album, an acoustic kind of album that he did with various, again, with a couple of the guests joining him. And uh, I I did, I did, I did a promo, I did a TV show with him down on, on Timpan Alley. Denmark Street, because um, he obviously hung out there in the in the fifties when it was a when it was you know originally kind of starting out, and they were doing a TV show about it. So I I I was doing some promo with him down there, and then he had to go to the studio afterwards. And so I said to him, "I'll I'll drive you back there if you would you mind playing on the song for me if I do uh, that." And he said, "Yeah, yeah, of course, no problem." So I'd arranged for my producer Keith Bessie to be there. Uh, with with our with our setup, so we walked in and Albert just he put the thing on. He listened to it two or three times, was fiddling away, and then went, "Okay, press record, did a couple of takes, and you know the man's a genius." Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So, man. so then, two, the one song. Sorry, the one song <laughs> of the radio years. That was a that was a very big hit for you, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the first. That was the first single taken from the debut album. So it all started off really well. That was, um, um, yeah, it was picked up by Terry Wogan on BBC Radio 2. Um, and going back to what we said about radio stations and and personalities, Terry Wogan was probably the last person who was able to do that, was able to, he broke so many artists. If he liked a song, he would play it. And no one was going to argue with Terry Wogan, you know, I mean, he's millions of listeners, you know, what they're going to say to him and got a proven tr track record. And so he played it one Sunday. I knew he was going to play it. The producer had told us. And so my family and I were sitting around listening to his radio show. It was by the time he was on Sunday, not on the breakfast show. And uh, two hours passed and he hadn't played it. And I think it's running out of time here. It's going to be the news soon. And it was the very last song he played, and I thought, oh, thank God for that. Do you know what I mean? Because we just sat there and listened to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pop, pop, open a bottle of champagne sort of thing. It was fantastic. And he played it the following week again and then invited me into the studio. So I got to go awesome. there and perform that and another track. And uh, so he really kicked, kicked things off for me here at the, the biggest radio station of all. Um, and I was lucky. It was good timing because uh, obviously he died a year or so later and, and and you know as i said they you just they're just not able they're not in that position to do that anymore so yeah, to be able yeah. to play what they like so did that really kick start your career then yeah i mean yeah i mean it was it was it was 
it was the, the whole kind of that that really really helped of course because then the regional radio station started playing it and uh him playing it helped me get on tv i did i did lorraine on itv okay sky news and things like that and yeah i mean off the back of that i got to then to go on a major tour I had my first tour I, I went out with leo sayer which was uh about 33 34 dates in a 45 day period okay um it was the maddest whoever organized that tour was mad we call it the star of david tour because you sort of it was scotland to southampton to manchester to winchester oh, right. like, what the hell? you know <laughs> i spent so much time driving it was like can't you just line them up neatly and you know? yeah 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 but it was a fantastic experience and i was um I was I was performing by myself. I was the warm-up act, guest artist, whatever you want to sport act. And uh, it was just me and a guitar and me and the piano. And I kind of tell stories about each song and and uh, gave people a giggle. And I, I got, you really hone your act when you're doing that many dates. Yeah, and your yeah. voice as well. Your voice really opens up. Um, you know, it was probably the best singing I've ever done and playing because, you know, you're playing the same songs every night. You can do it without thinking about it. And your, your spiel in between each song, you know, becomes so natural and you know when the punchline comes. And I really had people, you know, you could hear a pin drop and people were really hang on every word. And so I was really, really, really proud of that. And, and uh, then I went out and after that one, I toured with Tapao. Remember, yeah, uh, Carol Decker. Yeah, yeah. Giant, giant. That was a funny one because when to power actually the first band I ever saw when I was when I was fourteen, I had a real crush on Carol Decker. <laughs> Didn't we all? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I persuaded my mum and dad to take me to the Hammersmith Odeon or Apollo, whatever it was called. Yeah, to see to power, and they that, my dad wasn't too keen, but they took me anyway, and. um I sat there mesmerized by Carol and, and then 30 years later, I get this phone call from someone who says, hi, it's Carol Decker. You know, I'm releasing a new album, need some help. And I'm like, ah, I died, Carol Decker, wow. <laughs> and so I met with her and Carol being Carol's, um, wanted to do a deal. She's, uh, she looks after her money, should we say. <laughs> and um, we, uh, she said, okay, so I'm doing part of the promotion. The deal was that, I, we could do the promotion for her album um, as long as I would, they let me be the support act. Yeah. Okay. So I did the promotion, the support act. That's great. Let's do that. She said, well, if you're being the support act, <laughs> you can also be in my band as well. Cause there's no point in taking extra musicians along. So she managed to elbow one of her band members and I became a member of Tapao. I was the, I played percussion and backing vocals. Um, so that was great. Cause it was this band. It was the first band I ever seen. And now I'm doing a, a, a Lot, the tour lasted about a year, but it wasn't that many dates. You know, it's probably forty dates, but it just really spread out. And um, but I was on stage, you know, doing my own half-hour show, zipping off, having a quick beer, and changing my top, and then coming back on with Tapao and playing percussion and singing, which I absolutely loved because it was great, great being the front man, you know, for my for my yeah. slot. Yeah. But then to actually be able to sit back and be in a really good band, yeah. you know, with great songs um that was that was a really lovely time i loved that they got a new single coming out today haven't they they have yes i'm not promoting it though no too expensive oh is it <laughs> shame <laughs> could have went back out on the road again <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So 2018, looking for the world. Yeah. Yeah. A different album. That was, um, so I finished touring the album, the first time in 2015, toured throughout most of 2015 and most of 2016 and thought, okay, let's think about following this up and getting an, another album out there, get back in the studio. <clears throat> Keith Bessie, who produced the first album, had retired, not on the profits of my album, I can assure you, but had retired and gone to live in Turkey, funnily enough. Um, and um, so I was looking for a producer and this is... I, I, I mentioned that the Shadows played at the um, Albert Lee 70th birthday gigs. And um, Brian Bennett's the drummer from the Shadows, and his son, Warren Bennett, plays keys for the Shadows, has done, haven't haven't toured for a while, but did the last few tours with them. So been with them for 30 years, probably. And Warren, I've become his friends on Facebook. Didn't really get to know him too much at the gigs, but got was his friend on Facebook and I noticed he kept putting up these recordings of Beatles songs where he'd re-recorded Beatles songs, the music to the Beatles songs, exactly as the Beatles have recorded them. He's a Beatles nut. And these recordings were fantastic and it's showing all the different parts that they played. And I thought, well, he's clearly got a great taste in music and he's clearly not got a lot to do. You know, if you've yeah. got time to sit and record Beatles songs exactly as they were recorded, and he'd done a lot of them, I thought he must be at a loose end. So I managed to get in touch with him, and I said, "Do you want to? Do you want to think about recording an album?" And we went out and had lunch together, and we just hit it off immediately. I mean, we're great friends. In fact, I've been working doing some stuff with him today for a different artist for stuff we're writing. Um, but you know, talk about two peas in a pod, sense of humour love of music just just everything about us we're just like long lost brothers and um yeah so he agreed to produce the album and i said to him the only thing that the first album took me two years the only thing i really want to do is get this wrapped up in about six months six or nine months you know we've got the songs i'm i'm, I'm riding on a wave you know from the yeah, last yeah. album Let's get this done. yeah yeah no problem he says two and a half years later <laughs> We finally finished the thing. So um, maybe not quite that long, but 18 months later, it, it took us a long time. And it, Warren ended up co-writing a lot of the songs on the album. Um, some of them we started from scratch. Others, he he took my songs and he said, well, let's, how do we make this song a better song? And yeah. so he'd expand parts. So that's, so he got, he got writing credits for that and played a lot of the instruments and did some, and the production is amazing. So I almost consider that the, the album's called Looking for the World came out in November 2018. And it, although it has my name on the front, I, I do cons- kind of consider it a Warren Bennett and Michael Armstrong album because it was very much a collaboration. And uh, yeah, I, I think I said in the liner notes on that one, music has never been so much fun to make. And the reason it took us so long to make it is because we spent most of our time in fits of giggles. Yeah, And yeah. that's that. It's absolutely true. We had a great time. So, yeah, another album I'm 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 very very proud of that one. Yeah. It's great. Do you write a lot of stuff for other artists then? No, I'd like to. Oh. I'd like to. I mean, I, I, you know, anyone's welcome to come and record my songs. Please do. Now, the 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 Warren the the, the project I'm doing at the moment with Warren is he contacted me about a year ago. I think just at the start of lockdown, and Warren is a master of melody. Um, 
he's he he writes a lot of um, TV music, Warren as well, because okay. he's got these great melodies, but he can't do lyrics. He struggles with lyrics, you know, and he, he just just the way it goes. And so he called me up and said, "I've got this. I've got a, I've got a few songs." He said, "I've got you know, maybe an album's worth of songs, ten songs that I think would be good for a, for a girl singer. I don't know who this girl singer is, but um, you know." could you help me get got some lyrics to them? You know, so he sent me some basic tracks and I came up with some lyrics and sent them back to him and he thought they were great and he's got a great publisher. So the idea was that we would, um, or that we will, because we haven't quite done it yet, get this girl singer on board and, and record this album. Um, Warren then decided that we could do the songs better or he had more songs and I think today he sent me through song number 56 okay. so in the space of a year. And I'm, I'm too behind. I've, I've done 54. I've still got 55 and 56 to do. So he's kept me busy. And we probably, you know, we've got, a, we've got enough. We've got enough for this girl singer's entire career, let alone an album. <laughs> <laughs> you can record 10 albums from the music we've got. But it's been great fun to do. And it's, it's completely... It's really different to the music that I write because I mean my songs tend to be like something like the Cola Paranoia, which you which you've listened to and enjoyed. That would not be an easy song to cover. You know, it's not it's not an I love you, you love me song. Far yeah. from it. It's yeah. a it's a drug song actually, and it's it's uh, it's kind of tongue in cheek and it's got my humour in there and it's sung in a certain way. You know, it would be difficult to someone to to cover that and, and make it make any sense and a lot of my songs are like that they're story songs and I, I like to be clever lyrically mainly because I don't like getting bored on stage I like to be excited about what the next line is coming you know rather than just not thinking about it but these songs Warren said to me you know I don't want Michael Armstrong lyrics you know these have got to be think that someone else has got to sing these songs yeah yeah so listen you know so it is a bit more you know you stole my heart tore me apart you know yeah, yeah come back one day i love you i say i don't know something like that do you know yeah. what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's what mean, yeah. A bit better than that but yeah. <laughs> well, well, that rhymes, it? Really, really great songs we've done some really great stuff i'm really proud of it ah cool man that's really good got anything dave yeah so with the second album then you, you've taught that in america is that right not quite not quite i didn't tour it in america the the idea was to yeah uh, the idea, like we, yeah, we was uh, the idea was to tour it in America, and c COVID put a stop to that. What happened was we recorded the album, we did all the promo, I then did a big show in London in 2019. Yeah, so yeah, the album came out in November, so 2019, so about six, seven months after the album had come out, and um, I'll get this the wrong way around. Yeah, and then the idea was to follow that on to the following year. And, of course, we all know what happened with COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah What yeah. had happened in 2018, so just before the second album came out, although I finished it, I was invited to go to, to America, um, actually on a, like a songwriting retreat with a guy called Ben Folds. Do you know him, an American singer-songwriter? Uh, if you don't know him, you should check him out. He's absolutely amazing. He's, he's, um, his, his band was originally the Ben Folds Five. Um, okay. Had a couple of big albums in the nineties. They're, they're a trio, so you can already tell his sense of humour. The Ben yeah. Folds Five, <laughs> um, fantastic, fantastic songwriter and musician who's just gone from strength to strength. 
and um i'm a huge fan of his and he's a huge influence on me so turns out he's a lovely guy as well i just i was so lucky to get to go out to, to california and, and hang out with him and a bunch of other american singers and basically we just had a good time in california and wrote songs and talked music and ate fine food and drank whiskey that was cool and oh, uh, one sorry no god so uh, the idea that the american tour idea came from all that situation and of course ever since then it's all gone crazy so hopefully yeah. we'll revisit that next year uh, so he's the guy that you're writing a new album with not with but, uh, but when, when when i was when i was there and it was uh, the the the, 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 the retreat that we all stayed in there for a week was in a was a beautiful town called Ojai, which is spelled O-J-A-I. Mm -hmm. And that's what my new album is called. The new album that comes out on June 25th is Ojai. And while we were at the songwriting, you know, I wrote maybe 10 songs over that course of that week. Only one of them was a collaboration. Um, the rest of them were just, we, we, we'd talk about ideas and then we'd separate and try and write our songs based on those ideas. So we all wrote songs about the same ideas. Okay. Uh, so so that, and then we'd all come back, drink whiskey in the nighttime, and, and perform our songs for each other. You know, it was a, it was a, it was, oh, yeah, it was, a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, cool, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, so I, and so I ended up with maybe five, six songs from there. Ended up on the new album, which is why I called it Ohio because I just thought. Yeah, uh, because of your experience. Uh, yeah, in that's the retreat. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool, man. So, how how did that come about then? Was that Ben's idea to get some, you know, a, a number of you together and collaborate and have a good time and think about writing and? Yeah, I think I'm. I, I think it may have been his manager's idea originally, but Ben is a really, he's he's a very giving person, a very giving artist. He he's he's very into arts funding in America for high schools and things like that. Um, he had a bit of a tough time. He's, he's, wrote, he's written an autobiography as well, which is fantastic. Um, he's a real character. And he, he actually had to tell his manager to tell him to stop putting on so many tours because he only wants a tour for a certain amount of time each year because the rest of it, he wants to dedicate to, um, uh, to arts funding and visiting schools and, and etc. And, and um, so, yeah, so part of this was a night, I think it was his idea to speak with other musicians and get this collaboration idea going. And the idea was to build on it in following years and get younger kids in. I mean, Ben's maybe two years older than me. So what am I, 47 now? So yeah, I think he's about 50. So when we were there, it was a couple of years ago, 20, three years ago, 2018, there were some younger people there um i say younger they're in their 20s and 30s i call them kids but you yeah, do that yeah. don't you when you get to yeah, our age yeah i felt like the older statesman um kind of um so yeah we i, I almost ended up being like a, a tutor in some ways as much as as much as ben was to them um uh but they were so talented fantastic songwriters and all different styles you know i, I remember like one, one of the examples, right? We were having breakfast, and they said, "What are we going to do today?" And uh, Ben said, "Well, we, uh, we've all we all must have pissed someone off, you know, a girl or something in your life. You know, have you got any texts from someone who's really having a rage at you, or emails saying, you know, you busted, you know, whatever? How could you do that to me? Or do you remember a memory of splitting up with a girlfriend and what she did and all that?" 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, okay, write a song about that, but write it from her perspective, talking oh, to right, you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, oh, okay. So you basically got to call yourself an, an asshole. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like that. And so fortunately, I've got lots of those emails and texts on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> But they're so not romantic ones. The, can't be. the lyrics were written by all my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, actually, I, that, that's one song didn't end up on the forthcoming album just for some technical reasons. I, I couldn't quite get it right, but it will end up on a on a on a forthcoming album. Um, so that was the kind of thing that happened. And then we'd all go away and we'd write our songs, and then we'd come back and we'd perform perform the songs. You know, mm. and you know, my my style is very like you've heard very west coast very you know simple pop music catchy i hope but smooth and then there was another guy um who was like really like randy newman you know real comical american drool the kind of almost jazzy r&b piano and then there was another girl who was into like heavy metal i mean she was covered in tattoos and the piercings and all that you know what i mean and she came back and give it some proper full-on screaming you know yeah you know, so it was a whole whole range of other stuff, and then Ben, you know, Ben would sit there and play his version as well, and he's just a genius. So that was that was a pleasure in itself. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, what, would you uh, think of doing something like that over here? Perhaps getting some uh, some guys together, and you know, do you know, we did talk about. It. In fact, Ben actually did one over here himself in in Scotland. Um, must have been in 2019, I guess. I didn't get to go up there. I don't know what I was doing, something or the other. Um, but Lisa and I spoke about it when we come back and thought, you know, that's something we should we should try and do that here because we've got because we've got the connections with artists, you know, because we promote the artists. You know, we've got I don't know who who's coming at the moment. Krista Berg, uh, one of our long term artists, one of our long term clients. He's got a new album coming out, and. Uh, He'd be great at that, you know. Chris is very good at talking to people and doing that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it, it, it'll be good. It'd be good fun to do, and yeah. maybe something, maybe something we should revisit. Of course, current COVID of the last year has kind of put put a stop to all those ideas of people getting together and everything's done like this nowadays on Zoom. But you know, the whole experience was was fantastic, and uh, I think it'd be great for aspiring aspiring songwriters and just 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 fans of music to do that kind of thing you know yeah if it gave them the opportunity to work with a, a really i say famous artist also you know in, in like yeah. a workshop a workshop scenario if you like yeah absolutely i mean i think I, I think obviously the liverpool school of performing arts i know mccartney turns up there once a year doesn't he i think yeah and, and, ch and chats through to the graduates but uh, yeah, to actually spend three or four days, or even a day, you know, with with someone, you know, who has a reputation and uh, a career, you know, a successful, yeah, yeah. who has had success at songwriting or at performing or at, you know, just playing an instrument or whatever like that. I think that would that would benefit the kids for sure. Yeah, yeah. Going back to COVID, I mean, COVID's really scuppered your year then, uh, almost two years now, I suppose with um touring for your new album how has it affected the promo business um well two questions there i mean it kind of it scuppered the last 2020 the idea was we're going to tour the second album um 
I didn't, so I end up recording a new album. So, you know, yeah, I've yeah. got some good out of it, you know, and I was left in peace and I managed to record it pretty quickly for me. This one didn't take mm -hmm. two years and I produced it myself because, you know, it wasn't easy to collaborate with anyone. So the, the new album for me is very different to the others because of that, because yeah, it's really yeah. me and the helm. And, uh, and uh, so, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with the way it's turned out. I thought... And we thought, Lisa and I, last March, that we were going to be that the, the company might be in trouble because, you know, because of because of the lockdown. We had a couple of artists about to go on tour. One of them was Steve Harley, mm -hmm. um, and obviously his whole tour got cancelled. And the other one was Alistair McGowan, the comedian, who's oh, also right, yeah, yeah. A piano yeah. player, and he was doing a show called I can't remember. He plays classical piano and tells jokes basically he's a very okay. good classical pianist and so his whole tour got cancelled so we lost those two contracts and but incredibly we had the busiest year we've ever had and okay. the busiest and most successful year we've ever had it was unbelievable i don't it was just i think because because artists couldn't tour they were still they were still releasing and recording music and i also think that television and radio certainly in those first few months of lockdown television and radio became the most important medium they've been since the second world war yeah you yeah. know because you weren't allowed to go out and see family because we were all glued to the five o'clock report and to see what was happening you know yeah and what what was going to be happening next there was a wartime spirit about it i think and 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 so you so you had the television on you had the radio on you were listening to what was happening and it can't be all doom and gloom you know That's you've right. got the yeah. you can't so, so so music and entertainment guests although you can't go over the top with it because people are dying obviously you they, they were still important and it was the only way people were going to be able to to to, to hear that because they couldn't go out and see them so i think that's why it went crazy for us we just had so much work so much great music and so many great guests and you know and, and a lot probably a lot more uh response and success than we would normally get from radio and tv because they were looking for guests they were looking for people to change the mood to change yeah, the story yeah. of the constant you know depression Really yeah. what was going yeah. on so we really we really benefits benefited from that and i, I know we've, we've lisa and i spoke about it we're in, we're so lucky because so many people's businesses and situations were so tough but we we actually went the opposite way mm. that's oh, really good. good news yeah that's good mm. at least somebody's uh getting something out of it <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean you yeah, got yeah, album. now you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna tour two albums yeah, yeah so, right. yeah, so how, are gonna, how are you going to tell them, Michael? Are you going to play songs from both albums when you when you gig next year? Or are you oh, gonna... these, songs from all, these songs from all three albums. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I love playing live. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, you got, yeah, it just, it, they, they, my music suits itself to be playing live and you can kind of develop it. And I love, I don't, I don't necessarily stick to the, to the, to the record to the recorded format um because it's not not that easy but um um so i i find out you know i pull in different musicians and they just bring something else to the songs and you can I, I love that i love i love the songs developing and changing 
And uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing a Bob Dylan where they're completely unrecognizable or anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. uh, people still know them. But we'll we'll come up with new new sections to them or extended pieces or just something a bit crazy. And you know, that's I, I think the the fans like that too. Yeah, as long as you make it fun, isn't it? You know, that's the main thing. Yep, yep. As long as we can have a good time and get drunk afterwards, that's that's cool by me. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Make it fun for yourselves. Make it fun for the crowd, and then. Uh... You know, unless you've got some real purists shouting at you that you forgot the words or oh, he doesn't know the words of that song. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, you have to mumble the ones you forget. <laughs> <laughs> so so would you would you think of like uh, releasing a, a live live album in? It's not something I've ever thought of, no. I, I probably couldn't I probably couldn't bear that. I'm 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 a bit of a perfectionist. When it comes to the to the recordings, um, I really do. That's why they take me so long. I really do toil over them and, and and work hard on getting everything everything perfect. So I'm not sure I could live with any imperfections. And playing live is all about imperfection. Um, so I don't know if I could live with that, but I have to. I'd have to see. I've never tried to. I've I've never had equipment there to be able to record. You know. I've, I've obviously got live shows on tape and things like that, but not that could be, you know, if I did it, it'd have to be with a proper mixing desk and split. Yeah. So the instruments were all recorded separately and then mixed. Um, if I ever had the opportunity to do that, I'd certainly look at it, but it's not, it's not something I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking of doing or keen to do at the moment. Uh, yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. Cause I, 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 a lot of the bands that I listen to, I really enjoy the, you know, the, when they release a live album as well, because, like you, like you said, you've got it warts and all, and you can hear the crowd in the background. And you know, if they do mess up, I, I, I think that's all part of it. Or I mean, I, yeah. but I get where you're coming from as well. So yeah, yeah, maybe, 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 yeah, maybe as maybe as a fan. I mean, I agree with you. I love those. Got some great albums. I love, but uh, I just, yeah, I don't think, I don't think, I'm not sure I could ever listen to it. That would be the problem. <laughs> Mind <laughs> you, I don't really listen to my albums anyway. I spend so long making them. I'm sick of them by the time I've finished. Yeah, so I, was I don't say listen back to them. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say you're not supposed to listen to me. Maybe your wife and your kids can listen to them, but by the time you finish recording, uh, it's like oh, they're, they're sick of them as well. I mean, they, <laughs> they, yeah, they are sick because this 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 recording studio is part of my house, and uh, you know they they inevitably hear me singing the same line, trying to get it perfect, maybe fifty times, and. Uh, the same song being mixed over and over and over and over again. And I said, God's sake, that bloody song again, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so your soundproofing is not very good then? My soundproofing is pretty good, but I do like to open the door and oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> make them suffer. That's it, that's it. <laughs> so, so, so any of your, your kids following in your footsteps? Are they interested in music? Yeah, uh, well, I've got three sons. Uh, Eldest son, he's well, he's twenty-one now, or nearly twenty-one. He's um, he's 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 got through the being embarrassed of dad stage, but I, um, I don't think he'd. And he likes his he likes listening to music, but he's not he's not musical at all. He he prefers his football and that kind of thing. Middle son Sam is the musical one. He's got a good voice, and he he had piano lessons for a while. Played a bit of piano. Um, and he's the kind of the show off, the outgoing one. So he's got no problem with it. The little man, Sonny, he's uh, 14 and 
if he if you know, if any of his friends found out his dad was a singer, he would he would he'd probably leave home. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> that would be like the worst thing ever. You know what I mean? So it's, it just doesn't get mentioned, you know. And I I'm told not to leave the house if anyone's nearby. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So you're not trying to flog them sign CDs then? Your kids' friends. Get down to school yeah. and chat to the mothers. Oh, well, I'll do that, but that's nothing to do with the CDs. <laughs> so what's, what's the, so your new album then? Like, you're going to have to excuse me. Is it Oh, oh Hey? Oh, Hi? Oh, Hi. Oh, oh Hi. hi. Yeah, yeah spelled O J A I. Again, that's yeah. uh, if I had a if I had a record company or a, a marketing team behind me, they'd all be screaming at me saying, "How can you release an album that no one can pronounce?" <laughs> but I don't, so I can do what I like. So that's okay. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it comes out on the twenty fifth of June. Uh, available to pre order now already. Um, and if you pre order it, you immediately receive the first single, "Matters of Hearts," which is. Been picking up some really good airplay and had a great reaction over the last couple of few weeks. So uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't be happier. It's gone really well so far. Oh, oh, that's brilliant. Cool. Has that been brilliant. released already? Then the, the single's single? been released. Yeah, the single was well. It's, yes, yeah, yeah. It's released. I mean, it was made available on something like the fifth of March or something. That was the first day you could pre-order the album. And the idea was you pre-order the album, you automatically get that single. Oh, okay. So in effect, the single was released then, although the kind of release or impact date they use for radio yeah. is actually Friday the 30th of April. So, That's uh, today. Oh, so you're in direct competition with Tapau today then? Yeah. No, tomorrow, sorry. Not not today, tomorrow. Must be. <laughs> tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, well, I bet Carol will be phoning you up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so you'll be complaining. How could you do this to me, Michael? Releasing a CD on the same day as me. <laughs> so is there a particular message in the album? Like... Not a message as such, but it's um, you know, it's 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 a very West Coast vibe to that album, uh, more so than the other albums, probably. Um, because of where it was written and because of my experience, you know, the songs that weren't written there were written about the experience or after the experience. And, um, yeah, because I produced it myself, it's got a slightly different sound. Um, it's a lot, it's, it's a very honest album. Um, because I chose it weirdly enough, I chose the songs myself for this album, which is a weird thing to say. But when you've got other people producing it, they, yeah. they like to have an input in what songs you're going to record. And so the, both both my previous albums, which have been co-produced co by other people, they've had an input to what songs and sometimes songs that I really wanted to go on there, they haven't. And so some of those songs have appeared on 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 or a couple of them have appeared on this album in one form or another. Oh, cool. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah, no particular message, but uh, you know, just just a, an honest yeah. album of of, uh, of hopefully good West Coast vibes and that California feel. Yeah, seeing as we can't cool. go, we can't go on holiday, so we're, I'm bringing it to us instead. That's it, bringing <laughs> yeah. the sunshine over here. Well, they just announcing COVID passports today, and they they were saying uh, on the news over here because I'm in Holland, you know. Oh, okay. They were saying. Uh, 
they, they, they wouldn't have COVID passports, but now it's come out today that the, they will. So, oh, really? Yeah. Well, you just won't be able to travel anywhere otherwise. Right. I have my first jab on Monday, actually. Yeah, David's already had his. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was very ill. I was very ill. How were you? On Monday night. Yeah. Oh. yeah. David was okay, yeah. wasn't you, Dave? Um, I, I just had like a really splitting headache for maybe like three days in a row. Um, no, I, had, I had the shivers and the sweats and hallucinations and oh, God knows what. Well. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the old days, I loved it. I was going to say, are you sure it was a COVID jab? The missus spiked my tea. I'm not sure what it was. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so yeah, so your first single off there then, which is uh, Matters of the Heart. I had a listen to that earlier on. And um, you said it's, it's about your parents. Yeah, yeah, Matters of Heart. Um, just come up with that. It's got a like a piano riff, riff starting it and going throughout it. And I, I just thought that was a when I came up with it, I just thought it was a really beautiful piece of music and emotional. And um, I started thinking about my parents. Yeah, they were they were my parents. Obviously, spoke that I told you I worked with my dad for so long. I mean, my parents were were born in the late forties, so you know, in the aftermath of the Second World War, they were. Uh, very, you know, very much working class in South London. And they just, you know, they're in their 70s now, been married for over 50 years, and they and they made a fantastic, fantastic life for themselves and a, a wonderful upbringing for my brother and I. And, you know, I'd, they still help me out whenever I get in trouble, which is more often than not, and uh, even these days. And so I, I owed them, <clears throat> I just thought, what, what could I do for them? And I just, I wrote them a song. And so it's basically a song about a couple starting out with very little and facing life's ups and downs and the journeys that we all go on and sticking together. And that's that's what it kind of says. The most important thing is is the heart. The only thing yeah. that matters is the heart. You know, that's, a, there's a lesson in that, I think, somewhere. Yeah, no, yeah. it's nice. It's a real nice song. And the, and the video to it, is that actual you know, um, video footage and, and photographs. That, that's real family footage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'd, uh, it start because I wanted it to tell the story, the video. So I make most of the videos myself. So it starts off with my parents uh, as as kids growing up. And then, then they meet, a couple of pictures of them meeting and then getting married. And then my mum being pregnant with my brother and I. And then us as, us as toddlers and young men. And then me getting married and then my kids growing up my parents getting older and uh eventually ending up with like my kids turning into adulthood so it's like three generations you know and yeah, yeah so, so they they they, they uh, very emotional when i played them the video that's for sure oh it's lovely that's nice. yeah yeah that's really nice that is. that's good that's really good and it's a nice bit of saxophone in the track as well yeah ed barker playing the saxophone on that ed's played saxophone on all, all three of my albums He's um first portal call for me. He's an incredible, incredible musician. And uh, you know, thankfully he's always been available when I've asked him. So I've been very lucky. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I love I love I love the sax. I love it. And especially, you know, when you bring it in, you can because you can bring it into any genre of music as well, kind of it's got such a great sound to it. It's fantastic. Really, really nice. Yeah, it's a fantastic instrument. It really yeah. is. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. So um, obviously going forward, you've got your 
you know, your new album coming out now in June and then you're going to be gigging next year. You know, anything further further ahead of that? Have you got any more projects on the go that you're looking to get involved in? Well, you know, I'm always, as I say, I spend most of my time here in this room, uh, locked up, no windows. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously I've got the project that I spoke to you about with Warren where we, we've written all these hundreds of songs uh, which are going to go to other artists. I, I am I am planning my own next album as well, which is going to be something different. And uh, but I'm just at the planning stages at the moment, so uh, okay. I'll I'll let you know when I when I when I can tell you more. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but you don't feel like writing a book then? Yeah, I've thought about writing a book. You know, one I'd like to write a book one day, but I just yeah, I, I don't think I could write it about me. I don't think it'd be that interesting. But yeah. <laughs> I'll write it about something. All right, cool. <laughs> no, good. So, with uh, obviously you've met an awful lot of people, and you've you know you've represented a lot of people. Who would you love to collaborate with? Oh, who would I love to collaborate with? Um, well, I mean. I, that's a, such a difficult question because the list would just go on and on. I'd love to collaborate, collaborate with everyone. I mean, if you said to me, if there's one person who you haven't met who you'd like to meet, it'd be Bob Dylan. You know, yeah, I know yeah, Bob, yeah. Bob's almost impossible to meet, isn't he? I mean, he I just doesn't, doesn't do anything. He's Bob. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to, 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 to meet or to, to do anything with Bob would be would be incredible. That would be just mad. You know, he's 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 the best, no doubt about it. Um yeah, I mean, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, another big hero of mine. So I've met I've met Nick Mason, the drummer, on a, on quite a few occasions, um, but never managed to never managed to meet Roger. So maybe that one will come one day. More realistic than Bob Dylan, I think. Yeah, maybe <laughs> if you ever do track him down, I don't know. We've knows manager is now Bob Dylan, but I really I want know. to get him on the podcast before he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Because I love Bob Dylan. I mean, by the time yeah. I was 15, I had like 27, 28 Bob Dylan albums. Yeah. You know? I'm talking about live albums. Live at Budokan was was a great album. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to meet him as well. Yeah, he's done. He's up. Uh, he's he's recent albums have been fantastic as well. That's what yeah. that's what amazes me. You know, he's. Uh, the guy's just he made brilliant albums as we know in the 60s and then again in the 70s 80s bit dodgy uh but you know this 21st century he's come out with stuff that's uh that's as good as anything he's ever done before which yeah, is uh yeah. quite incredible you know he's just so love his back catalog isn't he yeah that's right yeah yeah so oh, got a tidy sum for that didn't you? yeah yeah i don't know how much it was but I think it, it was, was reported it was about 300 million or something 400 million dollars it was yeah yeah, yeah. that's crazy yeah, man so i get you a nice you could get you a nice night out in the pub wouldn't it <laughs> yeah. yeah you better start that writing some more songs <laughs> 400 million yeah because yeah, right. i seen a, i seen a really good question <laughs> on facebook earlier on and it was um you know, if you could, if you could select members of your band, who would they be? So, you know, obviously for you, you said, you know, Bob Dylan and Roger Waters, you know, who would you have as your, like your, the band around you? So, if you, you know, yeah, select a lead guitarist and a, and a drummer. God damn. It's a good question, tough. isn't it? It's a really good question. Yeah. You can only have one as well. You can only have one in there. Do you know what I mean? 
yeah. I mean, I'd yeah i mean i'd probably have someone like steve gad on drums i'd just go for like these ultimate super duper muse you know muso session musicians you know steve gad on drums and jaco pastorius on bass you know chick Corea on keys or something you know and i, I don't know david you'd have to have albert lee on guitar huh you'd have to have albert lee on guitar yeah, but oh, albert would be on guitar yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah i don't yeah it's so you could just go on forever with that question because I start thinking about well, what would they sound like together? Oh, you that guy would work well with him, do you know what I mean? And yeah, I won't go to sleep tonight now you've asked me that. <laughs> I say, don't I put too much thought into working. it, <laughs> <laughs> just pulling a super group out of thin air, you know, you know, yes, yeah, jeez. <laughs> so, all right, then, mate, well, it's, it's been, been nice to meet you. Here. How yeah, the socials. You so you've got the uh, Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, I've got all those. Yeah, the, the um, yeah, the website is probably the best place, which is michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, Facebook, Michael Armstrong Music, Instagram, Michael Armstrong Music. They're all pretty similar, something like that, along those lines. So check them out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to uh, add you ourselves. And then I'll have a look at your, well, I've already looked at your website, but I'll have a look at your website again and uh, I'll follow the links and add you on our Twitter and we'll post everything out through the socials. Great. Yeah, do that and we'll, we'll hook up. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's great. Where's the best place to uh, order your CD from as well? Because, you know, a hard copy, solid CD rather than yeah, digital envelope. The new album at the moment, the, or the forthcoming album, Oh High, is only it's available available to order on CD from my website. Um, okay. It should should appear on Amazon in the next couple of weeks. Um, but the old albums were all on Amazon and everywhere else, but the new album at the moment can only be pre-ordered on the CD from my website. It's available to pre-order digitally everywhere, but uh, cool. it will be will be on Amazon shortly. Yeah? Brilliant okay, stuff. Cool. Thank you. Good, good. All right, then, mate. Nice to meet you. Yeah, and you guys appreciate your time. Yeah, and no, you, we appreciate yours, and I'm sure we'll meet again. Absolutely, yeah. Especially when you need to promo your next album. Of course, <laughs> especially then. See <laughs> you in two years. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> yeah, and keep us keep us informed if you decide to get you know a, a bunch of uh, musicians together. I think that would, that would be good viewing. Very, very good viewing. That huh? might be good. We'll do- I'll do that and let yeah. you know. And if yeah, you meet Bob Dylan, point in my I way. Said, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll, I'll bring him in here in the studio. And see yeah, yeah, together. that'd be cool, man. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Michael. Thank you for your time. Cheers, Cheers guys. See you yeah, later. Cheers, Michael. Okay, bye. See you soon. Ta-da. Bye-bye. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. No technical issues tonight. How about that? No. Brat. <laughs> As the kids would say. <laughs> it's a bit more like it. Good, good. Yeah, I'm so curious to see how this video is going to come out when I... Uh, uh, fucking um, Render it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll come out like it's come out on my screen today. But I don't know how it's yeah. going to work on a, on a YouTube video, but... Because I got you there, me there. Or you there, me there, and Michael was underneath. So yeah, it should just come out as a as a as a single screen, right? So um, and then it'll just we'll all three of us will be on there all the time.
Okay. Do you think that's a good idea? I don't know, because I quite like the other shooting back and forth video as well. I'm going to see how this one comes out, actually, and then... Uh... Yeah, okay. Because... Okay, uh... Yeah, I do... Sometimes I do take the opportunity, because obviously I got the dog locked in you with me, and I she was barking in the background and stuff, and I, you know... I, I yeah, I was thought, thinking, what the fuck's that noise? Yeah, and I, I... You know, it's not good when we... You know, when we got people on, so, you know, it's... I want to be respectful to the artists that we get on you, so I... I try and sort of like open the door and let her out every now and again as well. So yeah, well, yeah. I could hear. I could. I thought I could hear a dog barking. Was she dreaming? Yeah, wasn't it? it was. It was. No, I got. I got a dog behind me, and he starts, and then Fudge starts. Then so oh, okay. She got, she got like little woman syndrome. She's only ten kilos, but she thinks she's hundred and twenty kilos. So I mean, and she's giving yeah. it all that at the at the window. Oh, I was, I was like, what the fuck? Where's that coming from? Yeah, no, yeah, it doesn't matter. Fudge, so, yeah, no. no. <laughs> little fudgy game of golf. I did, I did manage to shut her up because I didn't want to say anything, but I just went like, and she just stopped and sat by the side of me looking at me. Oh, right, okay. So, uh, yeah, probably thinking I was going to give her something to eat, probably. But uh, there we go. Yeah, he yeah, was a nice good. guy. Very, very nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Very nice guy. Really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, it was good. It was a good uh, good chat. And you can see he's, you know, obviously he's in the profession, but you can see he's a big fanboy himself as well, which yeah, is... Uh, yeah. Which is good, isn't it? So yeah. you know, when he's saying about Albert and Starstruck and all that, it's, it's fabulous, and it? it's great. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it always shows. You know, it, you know, um, wherever you get to within a career or whatever, you can all you still you still fans of somebody as well, isn't you yourself? So it's uh, it's great. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, it's good. Oh, and, no, then, and, the, and the concept he had of when he went to America. Oh, you're gone. Whoops, sorry. Hang on. She knows I'm doing this. What's she ringing me for? Unless it, <laughs> unless it's food orientated, I ain't interested. If she ain't bringing me back a kebab or something, I'm not. I'm not interested. But um, so yeah. So like the um, the idea of getting like a workshop, I think that's that's cool. I really like yeah, that. Yeah. Not that I got any talent that I could offer anything in one of those workshops, but I think I think it's such a cool idea. And especially when he said, you know, we had heavy metal girl and somebody else reggae and all you know if you get different genres together that's a really good idea i like that yeah, yeah good yeah. that was good that was, that was good. my idea wasn't it yeah wasn't <laughs> 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 it my idea i thought i just talked him into it but it doesn't matter <laughs> quits okay cokey and i will say goodbye to everybody yeah don't forget to follow us on our socials just chops in everywhere and uh check out michael armstrong on his website michaelarmstrongmusic.com i guess but we'll put the links up uh yeah, we will, yeah. just for sure definitely we'll put put some links up to some videos yes okie dokie